This case can be decided based on two simple principles. The first is that the SEC itself is constitutional. All the parties in the case agree on that first principle. The second principle is that the SEC has complete legal control over the board. And thus, because the SEC itself is constitutional and the SEC fully controls the board, the SEC board structure and the Sarbanes-Oxley Act are constitutional. Um, at the heart of the case is the following critical reality. The board is not some kind of independent agency. It is not autonomous. It's not some kind of rogue, freewheeling entity. Exactly the opposite is the case, in fact. Congress gave the SEC an arsenal of powers over the board and made crystal clear that the SEC is in complete command of the board and of the SEC board relationship. For example, the SEC appoints the board members. Uh, can the board adopt any kind of a rule without the SEC approval? Absolutely not. Can the board impose any kind of sanction if the SEC objects? Absolutely not. Can the board even determine its own budget? Again, absolutely not. The SEC has complete power uh, over the board's budget and must approve it. Indeed, the SEC can impose uh, various conditions on how the board spends money in order to implement the SEC's view uh, of how Sarbanes-Oxley should be enforced. The SEC can take over functions for the board. The SEC can control the inspections the board conducts and the investigations the board conducts to every bit the same extent that the SEC can control its own inspectors uh, and investigators. Um, without going into even more detail about the powers of the SEC over the board, uh, the simple reality here, legally and practically, is that Congress designed the SEC board structure so that the SEC is the master. The SEC is in complete command. The board assists the SEC. It makes proposals to the SEC but it is the SEC that ultimately is in complete charge. Indeed, in the brief we filed on behalf of seven former commissioners of the SEC, we documented in detail with many specific examples exactly how much control the SEC in fact has exercised over the board since the board was created seven years ago. Now, with that understanding of how the Sarbanes-Oxley Act works and exactly what the SEC board relationship is as a matter of law and practice, it becomes relatively straightforward and easy to answer the specific constitutional challenges that the petitioners raise in the case. The first challenge the petitioners raise is that the board and board members should be understood to be uh, principal officers of the United States. The president must appoint principal officers, and we agree with that uh, position. Uh, but the petitioner's claim is that the board is essentially like a cabinet department, say the Treasury, or like an agency such as the SEC itself. But that argument fails for exactly the reasons I've just laid out. Precisely because the SEC is the master here, because the SEC controls the board, because the board can take no actions that have any legal effect without the SEC's approval, the board is simply not an entity like a cabinet department such as the Treasury, and the board is not an independent agency. The SEC is the principal here, it's the master here, it's in command here, and the board is therefore, or the board members are therefore not principal officers of the United States, but inferior officers of the United States. 
the second argument that the petitioners make is that even if board members are inferior officers, there's something unconstitutional about the statutory structure. Um, and the petitioner's argument seems to be one of two uh, particular uh, theories. The first is that the president ought to have the power to uh, remove, to fire at will the members of the board. Um, but that position amounts to the general principle that the president, under the Constitution, must have the power to fire all the inferior officers of the United States. And no principle like that has ever been accepted constitutionally, and no principle like that has ever been the practice of the United States government. The general practice is a command structure. The president has power over the principal officers of the United States. Those principal officers have the power to fire or control their inferiors. And uh, the principle that the president must have power over these inferior officers um, should be rejected because it's so inconsistent with uh, much of constitutional doctrine and history. The second version of this challenge uh, that even if the board members are inferior officers, there's something wrong with this statutory structure, is that perhaps the SEC must have the power to fire the board members at will. But again, the answer to that uh, challenge goes back to the larger uh, key fact about this case, which is the SEC does have absolutely complete control and an arsenal of powers over the board. And so the SEC can dictate to the board um, anything the SEC believes to be correct as a matter of policy in enforcing and implementing the Sarbanes-Oxley Act. So the SEC, as a practical matter and as a legal matter, would not have one whit more power or less over the board uh, if the statute gave the SEC the power to fire board members at will. Because the SEC has many more uh, dramatic powers than that, and because the accumulation of the SEC's powers over the board are so substantial, uh, the issue of whether the SEC can fire board members at will or not is almost a red herring in the case. It makes, as I said, no difference at all to the statutory structure, to how it works, or to the practical realities of administrative power here. So to close off, uh, the key theme of the case is the reality that, as both the District Court and the Court of Appeals found, the SEC is fully in charge here. The whole system of financial regulation makes use of many relationships like that between the SEC and the board. and. All of this system was designed by Congress to put the SEC at the top of the system to ensure coherent, unified regulation of the financial market. This particular board is no different than some of those earlier structures, and it's constitutional precisely because it is the SEC that ultimately has all of the legal power and all of the legal authority here. The board assists the SEC, but that's the role the board plays. For those reasons, the court should uphold the statute.